Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Man, I love that song because it declares what I am no longer. It declares that there was a time when I was a slave to fear. I was a slave to all kind of things, but no longer. I'm a child of God. And I believe this morning that there are those that are here today. You've got some things in your life that that you've struggled with, that you've battled with, but can I tell you something this morning? That when you kneel beneath the cross of Calvary and the blood of Jesus flows from the hand, the wounds of a Savior, and touches your life, you are no longer a slave. He delivers you from the bondage of your slavery. But here's the thing. <clears throat> There's a bunch of free people that are walking around in bondage because you haven't realized the fact that what Christ did for us over 2,000 years ago covered every area of our lives dealt with every sin in my life, broke every bondage over my life, severed every tie and every chain that had me bound. The day that I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I can sing glory to God. He set me free. I once was bound in sin, but Jesus took me in. No longer a slave. No longer in bondage. See, it is a sad state for a man or a woman to be in when they're bound with no hopes of freedom. When they're bound with no hope to ever see that bondage broken. But it is, to me, even worse to walk around in bondage when Christ has set me free. It's kind of like the illustration of the elephant that as a baby they took a shackle, a steel shackle and put it around his back foot drove a stake in the ground and tied a chain to the shackle and to the stake and that little elephant would pull against that stake and and the older that he grew the, the more massive that he got he would pull against that stake and he realized that he couldn't pull against it and the owners after he had gotten grown took the steel shackle off of his foot and tied just a, a rope around his foot and tied it to the stake. A man could break the rope and the elephant could surely break the rope. But you know what? Because of what he had grown up in, he never put pressure on the rope. He never tried because he had grown up in bondage. And when he got older, he said, I'm bound forever. And they didn't need a chain anymore. Listen, there are people here this morning, and I know today because Holy Spirit has already spoken. There are people here today that you grew up in something. Jesus has already broke the chain. He's already took the shackle off. All you got to do is put a little pressure on it, and you're going to realize I'm free. But you got to put some pressure on it. 
Sometimes you got to stand in the middle of your mess and begin to declare and prophesy what God has said about you. And as Sister Sherry said, you got to get past the bondage, the curses that people have put on you. And you got to begin to see yourself as a born-again, blood-washed child of God. Wow. I want you to just say to yourself, self, it's time to prophesy what God said about you. It's time for us to begin to declare those things that are not as though they are. Say, Pastor, that's a little radical. Listen, it is because the mind is out of gear that we slip into bondage. But you will never get out of your bondage with your mind out of gear. Because in order for you to get out of bondage, you've got to gird up the loins of your mind. And you've got to begin to recognize what the Word of God says about your bondage. Jesus said, I came to set you free. If I set you free, he said, you will be free indeed. Y'all done got things stirred up up here now. All right? Aren't you proud of this worship team? Amen. Amen. I am so proud of these ladies. These, this guy. These ladies and this guy. Amen. Amen. Give them another big hand this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, I want, I want you to take your Bible this morning and kind of changing things up a little bit. But I want you to, we're going to start out in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to just read one verse in that. Uh, it's verse 54. I was, and once you get there, I want you to take your Bible and just flip over to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 5. Um, and we're going we're gonna to read some there. I want to I wanna preach this morning on, on this topic. Uh just simply the gutter, the gutter. Everybody say gutter, not gooder, gutter, the gutter. Look at your neighbor and say the gutter, the gutter. In First Samuel chapter 17, and I want to read this, and I want to give you just a little, little, inside on it and then we're going to go to second samuel i wasn't gonna go here but I, I feel like the way the service is going that this is extremely important first samuel chapter 17 deals with the story of david and goliath and we're all familiar with that story we're, we're familiar with the fact of how god uh, used a young man uh, that had never been trained in warfare. 
but God used him to bring down a giant that had uh, that had shut the nation of Israel's army down that everybody was afraid of. And here's David standing up, fighting Goliath, and he defeats Goliath. And we as Christians, we talk about this story a lot. We talk about uh, that I'm, I'm defeating my Goliaths and I'm defeating the giants in my life. And surely it's a, it's a, it's a great story and a great example of what God can do uh, with anyone that's willing to yield themselves to him. There's no giant that's too big uh, to be brought down. Uh, the bigger they are, the harder they fall is the way uh, the Bible looks at it. And so there's, there's nothing that's impossible uh, for somebody that will submit and commit to God. David did that. Goliath was, was slain. The giant fell, and God brought a great victory that day. But there's a, there's a part of this story that, uh, that I never paid a lot of attention to uh, until a few months ago. And I actually was listening uh, to another podcast, and they mentioned this, and, uh, and, and it just caught my attention, or actually the gutter. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But as I looked at that, and I, I went back and, and began to look, and this is something that uh, I think is so important for the time that you and I are in today. And I believe that there are people here this morning that just like I was saying a little while ago, God has done some things in, in your life, but yet uh, we are still walking in bondage. There are still strongholds in our lives that God wants us to deal with as a matter of fact uh, as I said they've already been dealt with but there's just got to be uh, some movement on our part toward recognizing and realizing that listen what I've been struggling with and what I've been asking God to do has already been done I've just got it listen it's not a matter of me moving geographically it's not a matter of you doing something necessarily physically, but it's a matter of you moving into the spiritual reality of what God has done. Everything about you begins in the spirit realm. And everything that God does for you and through you begins in your spirit. And, and God works from the inside out. All right? 1 Samuel chapter 17, and, and in verse 54, David has uh, slain Goliath. And, and the Bible says that when David uh, put the, the giant on the ground, in verse 54, the Bible says that David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. I want to read that again. David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. Father, I just commit myself to you today as a voice, that you would take my voice, use me to deliver the word that will bring deliverance to your house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing So here's the thing. <clears throat> David severed the head of the giant, Goliath. In that time, when you killed an enemy and you severed your enemy's head, the head was a symbol of victory. It was a symbol of, of a victory that you had just won because you had, the, you had the head of your enemy in your hand. David, the Bible says, left the battlefield and went to Jerusalem with, and, and left the head of Goliath at Jerusalem. 
here's the thing. At that time, Jerusalem was not a place that was controlled by Israel. Jerusalem was a city that was under the control of the Jebusites. It was a place that uh, if you uh, read in Joshua chapter 15, verse 63, the Bible says that the children of Israel, when they were conquering the promised land, that they could not drive out the inhabitants of Jerusalem, which were the Jebusites. The Bible says that they tried, but they could not drive them out. In other words, Jerusalem uh, could not be conquered or was not conquered by the children of Israel during their conquest of the land of Canaan. So when David takes the head of Goliath and plants it outside of the walls of the city of Jerusalem, why did he do that? I believe this morning that the reason that David did that, and he was not yet king in the eyes of man, but he was king in the eyes of God. And I'm going to say some things this morning that I believe that you need to write down or you need to take notes. Because what I'm telling you this morning is leading up to some things today. That what you have been begging and crying and pleading God for, God is saying it has already been done. You've just got to do some things in the Spirit to see those things begin to come about. And I want to repeat that. David, when he slew Goliath, was not the king of Israel. As a matter of fact, nobody on the battlefield recognized him as being anything more than a shepherd boy. His brothers didn't recognize him as being anything. But can I tell you something? Heaven, oh, heaven had already declared there's a king walking among you on the battlefield today. Y'all ain't getting that. God had already sent the prophet Samuel, and Samuel had already poured the oil on David's head, and David was already a king in the eyes of God. But why did David sever the head of Goliath and leave the battlefield, leave the place where he had just won a major victory, leave the place where everybody was saying, David has slain his uh, 10,000. Uh, Saul slain his thousands and David his 10,000. Why did David leave all of that and run to the city of Jerusalem and plant the head of the Goliath, the giant, on, on a stick or something outside the walls of Jerusalem? All right. Listen. Jerusalem remember, was a place that had not been conquered. It was a stronghold. Now let's, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 6. I started out in a place I wasn't planning on, so you're going to have to help me today to stay on track, okay? Because I got on some rabbit trails there, and there's a bunch of them around here. And, and 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 6 I want to I just tell you something about Jerusalem that, that you already know, but I want to remind you of it. Jerusalem today is not one of, it is the most important city on the face of the earth. Jerusalem, a little spot of ground, is the most important city on the face of this planet. It is the epicenter of everything that God has done, will do, and will do, or is doing, and will do in the future. 
It is the center of the place of God's redemptive working for mankind. In Jerusalem, Christ was crucified outside the, the, the walls of the city. He was buried inside Jerusalem. He rose from the dead in Jerusalem. The Holy Ghost was poured out in Jerusalem. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, Jerusalem is the only city that is mentioned as being the city of God in heaven. John the Revelator said in the book of Revelation, he said, I looked and he said, I saw the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jerusalem is, is the city of David. It is the city of God. It is the place where God chose to put his name in that city. It is, it is one of the most important sites, one of the most important geographical areas to, to Christianity that you will ever find. Listen, uh, it's not Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a good city, and it's popular because it was the birth of uh, place of Christ. But listen, Jerusalem is the epicenter of all that God wants to do. And now I take you over to 2 Samuel. I told you there's some rabbit trails there. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 6, and the king. Now David has become king now, and he's been anointed. He is the king of Israel. And uh, David is, is the king. He's the man. And, and the Bible says, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. And David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul. Therefore, it is said, the blind and lame shall not come into the house. And David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built the city all around from the Milo inward. The King James Version says about verse 8 that David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter, and smites the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, the same shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they said, the blind and lame shall not come up in the house. So I want to talk to you today about the areas in your life that represent strongholds or unconquered places. And I want to talk to you about getting down and dirty with those areas uh, and realizing that God has already given you the victory, but sometimes you have to go up through the gutter of life and you have to go up through the gutter of opposition and the gutter of resistance, realizing that God has already given me the victory. We've all heard this old saying, if you don't straighten up, you're going to wind up in the gutter. Get your mind out of the gutter. Some of you would say today, when Jesus found me, he found me in the gutter. The gutter that David was talking about was the drain pipe that, listen, Jerusalem was built on a hill, and it was a sheer cliff or sheer drop-off, and that's the reason that the city was, at, uh, up until then, had nobody had not been able to conquer it. The Jebusites 
were, were well aware that the city was impenetrable. In other words, nobody could conquer it. Nobody could get inside the walls of the city uh, to bring down this stronghold of the Jebusites. Many had tried. They tried during the days of Joshua, but they were not able. And I don't understand all of that about the whys that they were not able if God brought down the walls of Jericho, he could have surely brought down the walls uh, around that city, but for some reason or not, uh, he did not. Uh, all we know is that it was a place that had not been conquered. The Jebusites had this attitude that nobody can conquer us. Uh, we can put the lame and the blind on the wall, and they can protect this city because we are unconquerable. There are things in people's lives today that even though you are a born-again Christian, you are still walking with bondage in your life. It might be a bondage of your mind that you cannot seem to grasp the fact that God has made you a victor. Uh, it might be a bondage in your uh, the way that you think that you're thinking the wrong way and you're not able to capitalize on what God wants to do in your life. It might be a bondage in your uh, marriage or a bondage, uh, a habit or something that you don't understand why you cannot get out from under that bondage. All of us at one time or another have been victimized by strongholds or bondages in our lives. The thing about it, ladies and gentlemen, is that that is to be a, a, a path that you go through, not, not a place where you stay. God never intended for you to live in the bondage that you uh, are in. God wants you to go through that bondage and realize that there's victory for you, friend. And, and listen, but the reason today that we've got so many pampered and diapered and powdered behind Christians is because we think that we're going to get the blessing of God just by sitting sitting in a chair, a chair on Sunday morning and raising our hand every once in a while and putting a dollar in the offering plate that we're going to be able to walk in victory. There are some victories in your life that Jesus said these come out only through prayer and fasting. In other words, there are things in your life that God has said, I've already given this to you, but if you want it, you're going to have to go through the gutter uh, to get it. You're going to have to go through the place where everything else drains from in order to get this blessing listen the gutter that David was talking about uh, uh, historians say that this this was a pipe that came down out of the city that drained the the uh, the floor of the city and I'm sure it drained many other things that were coming out of the city it was a filthy, nasty, I don't know if you've ever had to plumb a little bit. But there's nothing worse than having to take a pipe loose uh, that has been stopped up and plugged or drained and clean that thing out. It is nasty. It is messy. It is ugly. I've taken them out. And had to clean them out, and I'd be gagging and choking up and all that because of the junk that's in the drain pipe. But historians say that this pipe that came down from Jerusalem was about uh, maybe a, around 20 inches. Uh, just big enough for a man uh, to crawl up in it. But here's the thing. I believe that when David took the head of Goliath and stuck it outside of the unconquered place of Jerusalem, that what David was saying was, I am prophesying, I am declaring this day that as I defeated the giant on the battlefield, I have brought the symbol of my victory and I've set it outside the walls of this city. David might not have known at that time uh, the, the uh, importance of what he was doing, but yet God knew, heaven knew, 
you and David prophesied something that was not yet done that it would be done listen sometimes you have to go and visit the place of your stronghold and stand before it and begin to declare and prophesy that victory is mine I'm going to see you come down The thing about it is the reason that people seemingly continue to dwell under the load of strongholds in their lives and they continue to uh, pacify and placate the strongholds. Listen, you might have a stronghold in your mind that tells you you're not worthy. And you might think, well, it's no big deal. It's just something my mama dealt with it, my daddy dealt with it. It's just something It's a part of me. No, it's not. It's a demonic stronghold that, that the devil is using to rob you from getting into the place that God wants you to get. You might have a stronghold in your mind and you might say, well, I love Jesus, but I just can't shake this habit in my life. I can't shake this addiction in my life. It might be alcohol, drugs, or it might be cigarettes or a can of skull or something. And you say, I can't shake this addiction, but it's no big deal. It's not hurting anybody but me. I like it and, and it's all right. No, it's not, friend, because when God puts his finger on something in your life then he's saying it is not good for you now I'm not listen I'm not trying to condemn you this morning I'm trying to help you I'm trying to tell you something this morning that will revolutionize your life because I believe today that God has put his finger on some things in our lives and he's saying there's some things there that are not good for you but yet we look at it and we know that God's not satisfied with it we know it's a stronghold in our our lives but yet we'll pet it we'll play with it and we'll think about it and all of that and we'll keep doing the same thing we've always done while we've got that stronghold I'm going to go ahead and preach you ain't got to worry I ain't going to come back there and, and get where you are nothing like that I'm just going to tell you the truth listen we don't recognize that the things that we allow to continue in our lives will only get stronger and they will only get bigger. And we think that it's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to mess anybody up. Until we recognize that we've got little junior or little sissy that's following in our footsteps. And what I did in moderation, little junior will do in excess. What I did in a little bit and didn't take but a little bit here and a little bit there, little sissy is going to take a lot here and a lot there. And before you know it, that little thing that we considered as nothing has now become a big deal because it's affecting my children and it's affecting my grandchildren I don't care whether you agree with me or not it doesn't matter I'm telling you the truth this morning but I'm telling you today that if you are a child of God God is saying today it is time to quit playing around with the strongholds you don't see you don't understand and you cannot comprehend the, the, the enormity of this stronghold God is saying listen if David had understood the power of the stronghold of Jerusalem and what it was going to mean if he had known that in 2020 in the United States of America a preacher was going to be saying that little place that you conquered is now the epicenter of everything that God's going to do on earth it would have blown him away and you don't recognize sir and ma'am listen look at your neighbor and say he loves you and I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about pastor. Say, pastor loves you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Because see, if we could comprehend
I were to tell you this morning, you young folks, I'm not talking to you old folks right now, but if I were to tell you that you carry, young man, if I were to tell you this morning, young men, that you carry in your loins a seed of a man, a male child that's going to be born from your seed that will be responsible for bringing revival to this nation like this nation has never known before. You would look at me and laugh. If I were to come to you, young lady, and tell you this morning, there's a genetic makeup in your body that, that one of these days you are going to give birth to a young lady or a young man that's going to be responsible for, for creating, for discovering a, a cure for a cancer that will be un that nobody will be able to dis discredit it. It will be a cure that will be so powerful that immediately cancer would be cured. You would look at me and laugh. But if I was to go to the same young man and the same young lady and I were to look at you today and tell you that that seed, that potential is in you, but there's some things that you're doing, there's some habits that you're creating, there's some people that you're hanging around with that are going to rob you of the ability of, of producing the seed that God has for you, you would probably look and say, oh, no, pastor, that ain't you. Listen, I'm telling you today, you've got to realize this morning that greatness is in you. Why? Because the treasure of heaven lie, rely is in me. It is in me. And what God wants to do through you, you can't see it with your natural eyes and you can't hear it with your natural ears. But God is saying, I've got greatness in you. David, do you understand this morning that the little thing that you're looking at is a huge thing in the eyes of God? I don't know, and we, we, don't, we don't have a record of how many people had tried to conquer the, the city of Jerusalem. We don't know how many men had died trying to, to scale the walls of this massive, uh, these massive cliffs and, and lost their lives. But listen, and I want you to catch this today. Things change when the anointing of God comes over your life. Because what others could not do, the anointing will enable you to do it. Better listen. What others could not figure out, the anointing will give you the revelation. What those, <clears throat> your forefathers, have been unable to conquer and unable to deal with, the anointing will make the difference in your life, David. You know what I think happened? I think more than likely... David slew Goliath. I'm going to come back down here and visit with y'all just a minute. I got some things I want to share with you, Sister Debbie. I believe that David, when David slew Goliath, he was there and he had the head of this giant in his hand. 
There wasn't no lightning bolt that came from heaven. There wasn't no thundering voice that came from heaven, Brother Larry. But I believe that as David was standing there, I believe the Holy Spirit said, I want you to take this head and drop it off over there at Jerusalem. It's quite possible that David said, what you say? He could have been like me, and he could have said, why do I have to do that? But yet David did it. And I believe that as David began that, that several-mile journey from the battlefield to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit began to speak to him. He said, David, remember your forefathers tried to conquer this. Remember Joshua and all them, the Benjamites and all them. Remember they tried to conquer this, David. David's walking along, got this giant's head in his hand. And God's speaking to him. He's talking to him. And David said, but what does this have to do with me? God said, just be obedient. Because what you're doing is prophesying a victory that's going to come just a few years down the road, David. There's going to be a victory that's going to come. And David planted that head in the place that God told him to. I don't believe that David really understood the impact of it. Listen, there are things that you and I do that we will never gain the impact of it on this earth. I believe that when we stand before the judgment of God, I don't know how it's going to happen. All I can picture in my mind is, is kind of a screen, kind of like that. And we're standing there, and God's on his throne, and we're standing, and this big screen comes. And God says, I want, I want to just show you what took place as a result of you planting the head of a giant in the place where I wanted to give you victory. I want you, and God said, I want, I want you to see the literal thousands of people that were impacted because you simply walked in obedience not understanding, not seeing the future, but just hearing me now and walking in obedience. I want you to see the thousands, the multitudes of people that were impacted by your decision, David. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping that some of you will go home and get the Word of God out and begin to open it up and say, God, don't let me miss those huge moments in my life. God, don't let me overlook the power of being obedient to you and freeing myself from these strongholds that have been dealt in my life for hundreds and hundreds of years maybe, and now they've come to the place they're affecting not only me, but they're affecting my children. God, don't let me miss David said, the man that makes it up through the gutter. And I got on a rabbit trail, and I, I, I forgot. I got to share this with you. When I was talking about the power of the anointing, you see, undoubtedly, I don't really know, but undoubtedly, there had never been an individual that stood before the fortress of Jerusalem, that stood there under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But listen, when you stand before 
the walls and the fortresses of the strongholds in your life, having been equipped by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm not talking about how you can raise your hand and how you can make this finger tremble and all that, and everybody thinks, oh, that's the anointing. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about how you can wear your dress down to your ankles and you can pin your hair up in a bun. I'm not talking about you can wear a white button-up collar, sir, with no tie and all of that, with no mustache or no beard or anything like that, and everybody thinks you're holy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something on the inside. The devil could care less about what color your clothes is. He could care less about what the length of your dress is. He could care less about uh, how you button up your top collar and all of that. But what scares uh, that out of the devil is when I stand before him and the anointing of God is so powerful in me that listen, I listen every time I walk by the enemy, he trembles not because I've raised my hand, not because I've spoken a word or quoted a scripture, but just in my presence, the anointing of God is so strong in my life that the demons have to tremble, that the devil has to shake and quake. Listen, when we understand that there's a power on the inside of me, there's an anointing in this vessel that can break the yoke of bondage and destroy the yoke of the enemy. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to scream and holler. I know that's not popular in 2020, but You've got to realize, friend. So we've got to realize that it's the anointing. David was the anointed king of Israel, and I believe that when he went up that day, I don't know if he already had it pre-planned or not, but I believe that when David took his army up to the walls of Jerusalem that day, the same people that for years and years had stood on top of the walls and said, look at that bunch of ragtag Israelite army coming there. They've tried, they failed, they're going to try again, and they're going to fail again. And no doubt they were standing on top of the wall and doing all that, but something was different that day that had not been there in days before and it was the man David because David was walking under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and you know what I think happened I think that when David walked up to the walls of Jerusalem he was saying God I'm here I don't know how we're going to do this but you said come I'm here and God remember the giant's head that I planted outside the walls a few years ago I planted that as a prophetic gesture of victory that was going to come I don't know how I'm I'm going to deal with this. I don't know how I'm going to conquer this stronghold, but here I am, God. And all of a sudden, the power of the Holy Ghost began to move. And God gave David a word of wisdom and said, Hey, David, look at that pipe right over there. You see that drain pipe over there? He said, uh, David, that drain pipe, that gutter is the thing that's going to bring you victory. He said, Send a man up the gutter. And when you send a man up the gutter, the rest of it's going to be history. I'm going to put my name there and it's all going to be over. Listen. I want, I want to once again remind you don't allow the enemy to cause you to walk with a near-sighted faith that says all these little things in my life don't matter because they do matter when God puts his hand on something there's a reason there and God is saying if you will deal with this stronghold I'm going to take you to another level I'm going to take you to another place don't let the importance of striving 
and to obtain the things of God get past you. Listen, we have been promised freedom. But are you walking in freedom? John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. God has promised us blessings. But are you experiencing the blessing of God? Some of you today, you are struggling financially. You are struggling materially. You, you are battling a spirit of poverty. It seems like poverty chases you all over the place and you cannot seem to get out of it. But yet, listen, <clears throat> you can pay your tithe and still live in poverty. Cool wind just came through. You can pay your tithe and still live in poverty if you don't understand the reason that you're tithing and you don't understand the principle of God's word. Malachi chapter 3 says this in verse 10. God says, bring the whole tithe. Now, I don't watch people and what they give. But if you come dressed in a three-piece suit, y'all, you come with, with all your Mac makeup on and diamonds on every hand. That's the only kind of makeup I know because I buy it for my wife all the time. Them ladies down at Belk and Mobile, they know me by name. They say, hey, Pastor Phillips, what can we do for you today? And I said, I need some eye shatter. <laughs> Number 536, please. That's what I want. <clears throat> I take care of my wife, sir. No, she tells me to do that. That's the reason I do it. Listen, when you strut up in here with your $60,000 car, and I don't know if anybody out here, I don't think anybody got a $60,000 car. That's the reason I said that, because you won't, you won't be able to say you're talking to me. And you walk up the aisle, and you squeeze in that George Washington and rubbing him together, about to rub his face off, and drop your dollar in the offering bucket and walk back and say, I'm a tither. You make more than $10 a week. Come on. Come on, I'm just being real. But you don't listen, and I said that to get to this, that God said this in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. He said, bring the whole tithe. And he said, try me, says the Lord, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God said, I'll give you peace. If I were to ask many of you here today, and I know I killed the spirit when I started talking about tithing, I shouldn't have done that. God's promised us peace. Many of you here today, you're not walking in peace. You don't have peace. You lay in bed and worry and stress about your life and your family, and you're not walking in peace. But God said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 that the peace of God could surpass all of my understanding and that it would keep my heart and mind. Some of you today are desperately in need of a victory in an area of your life, and you're a child of God. You're walking and you're a blood-washed child of God and you need victory in your life, but yet you're not living a life of victory. You're living in defeat. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, he said, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen, God wants us to realize that there's a gutter somewhere you might have to climb up, but the victory belongs to you. The victory is yours. And I'm fixing to close. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He said, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, and reaching forth unto those things which are before me. Notice verse 14. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing. Listen, there's no doubt and no question today. Worship team, if you can, go ahead and, and come, please. There's no doubt today that many of you here this morning that you have dealt with some giants in your life. God has done some things in your life that are major. Maybe he restored your health. Maybe he delivered you from the bondage of addiction or something like that. Maybe he restored your marriage or something like that. Maybe he healed your mind and, and whatever God did, that was a giant in your life. It was something that you could not do on your own God did it, and nobody else could have done it. And I'm rejoicing with you in that. I'm excited today that you are a giant killer. Or I'm excited today that you serve the giant killer. That is awesome. That is powerful. But friend, God has got many more giants for us to slay. Sometimes we have to kill giants for somebody else. Sister Deborah, because they don't recognize the giant, but the giant always recognizes us. You know what I'm saying. God looks at you a lot bigger then many other people look at you because you're a giant killer. You've slain some giants. But you're, you're, you're dealing with some giants now because other people don't recognize them as giants. I said it doesn't matter. Giants still going to fall. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And the key word is this. Do you recognize that you've got other giants? Goliath had some brothers. We might preach on that sometime. But there are other giants. But the most awesome thing about all of that it's Brother Chris, it wouldn't matter if Goliath had 500 brothers that were bigger than him. The same little shepherd boy that brought the one brother down can bring down the other 499. And see, as a child of God, it has already been done for you. You don't have to come before God and say, Lord, I need victory. Because when you do, God said, I've already given it to you. You guys go ahead and, and start playing, singing, whatever you're going to do. I want you this morning, I want you to stand with me, if you will, please.
you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? I've got some areas in my life that I know God wants me to conquer. I've got some areas in my life that I know God wants me to deal with. And I've just, I've just tried to ignore them. I've tried to pretend they're not there, but the reality is they're there. And I don't want those areas to affect my future, much less my children. So I believe today to bring it all down to this, these few words. I could really preach to you this message in about two minutes, but because I like to preach, I drag it out. But here's, here's all of it in a nutshell. Every one of us in here today, every one of us, if you are a child of God, there is a Jerusalem in you. That's it. I could have said that earlier, but I had to give you the history on it or you wouldn't have understood it. There's a Jerusalem in you. The thing about it is what percentage of us that are here today are going to recognize and conquer that place? so that the blessing that God has there can flow out and impact our world. In other words, there's a gift in you, Brother Carl. God don't just, for the fun of it, give you knowledge and wisdom and set you before young men, young athletes, Just say the man's got to have a job. I'm just going to give him a job. He can go there every day and play around, whatever. I'm just going to give him a job. No. God said, I have divinely, specifically set you in a place that, that you have the ability to impact young men. But there's still a Jerusalem in you. Dylan, there's a Jerusalem in you, man. Some places that God said, if, you, if you're willing to go there, do you understand what I'm saying? We're so bound up by our humanity that we, we fail to recognize the awesomeness, Sister Eula, of the gift that's on the inside of us. Think about Susanna Wesley, and I'm trying to close. I can't find the airport. I'm trying. But I think about Susanna Wesley and her sons, Charles and John Wesley. She was a woman of God. She prayed. She taught her children to pray. She taught her sons how to find God. She was a fireball. She didn't take no for an answer. But if I had the opportunity to go to her today and say, Miss Susanna, did you realize that when you were bringing up those young boys, do you, did you realize then that they were going to be responsible for shaking the world with the gospel? I dare say that she would say, I had no idea. All I knew is that they were going to be raised right. We don't know. You don't know that the little place that you've 
passed off, that little thing that you've passed off is the very thing that God is wanting to use. You don't realize that the, that the, the day that you go to work and, and the people whose lives you touch, the people whose lives you have the opportunity to speak into, to love on them, to share the gospel with. You don't recognize that, they, that you might be touching a Billy Graham. You might be touching a, 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 a David Livingstone or you might be touching somebody that's going to change, that's going to radically change the world. You don't know it. Yeah. It's your Jerusalem. Yeah. You've got to conquer some things to see it happen.